Hello. Welcome to a very special episode of the How Money Podcast. Yes, very uh, special. Erin is positively beaming <laughs> mm-hmm. because she's been working hard and very excited to bring you this uh, very special Bitcoin content. Yeah. What's, I, the, what's, the, what's the plan? I'm going to tell the viewers and you uh-huh. about the astrology of Bitcoin. Mm. I... I don't want to just talk. So I want to obviously talk about Bitcoin's natal chart. Mm-hmm. Like what's the actual astrology? What's a natal chart? Natal chart is what the position of the planets was at the exact time of your birth. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, most people are familiar with their sun sign. That's just where the sun was. But then there's all the other planets, is, right? Is, is, is where the sun sign, is that the... It's um, where the sun was. Is that what a normal horoscope is that you read in the newspaper? Yeah. You actually should be re- reading the horoscope for your rising sign, but that's something that, you know, deep astrologers will tell you. I see. But yeah, so, so yeah, like when you just see like Leo horoscope, whatever, mm-hmm. Aries horoscope, that's, mm-hmm. you're familiar with like where, because for, for sun sign stuff, you just need to know your birthday because mm-hmm. that's, you know, the sun moves around right. based on the year. Yeah. But then the planets are moving around all over the place. And so if you take the exact time and place of your birth, you can figure out, you know, where the planets were and then basically draw a chart based on that and then infer various properties of right. your personality or things, you know, predictive events, that kind of thing. I see. Yeah. And so... Uh, the basic like thing that a horoscope uses is like from the perspective of earth, you sort of, you you have the stars Mm -hmm. and they're all divided up into like constellations. Yeah. So each constellation is 30 degrees. So like the 360 degree wheel of like, you know, where we orbit, where Mm -hmm. our planet orbits is characterized by all of these constellations that then are the Zodiac. So there's 12 Zodiacs. And so then if like, if like your, if, if your Venus is in... Taurus. Yeah. That means that at that time, from the perspective of the Earth, if you looked towards Venus, it would be in the middle of the, that 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 um, thirty that degree thirty degree Taurus like wedge. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So like, it's easy to figure out where the sun was because it's just based on the date. But then the planets are more complicated, so you have to like draw up a whole chart basically to get like a natal chart. And I get all see. Of the different because the sun goes in just one cycle per year. It right. Goes- and that's, that's why, you know, ancient astrologers or just the ancients in general thought that the sun revolved around us because it was just moving around and we were like, okay, we're obviously at the center. The sun is moving in this very fixed pattern. Mm-hmm. Everything else is kind of like moving all over the place. I don't mm-hmm. know what's up with that. Yeah. But like the reason for that is just because we are actually going around the sun, right. but we're not going around the other planets, right? The other planets are also going around the sun. And so they move in weird ways. Right. That's why like mercury retrograde is a thing because, oh, like, because mercury, mercury goes backwards, moves backwards. Right, yeah. that happens like four times a year. Uh-huh. Right. Um, so yeah. So you basically can like track these, you know, astrologers track these motions and then mm-hmm. infer various things because mm-hmm. all of the Zodiac signs have different archetypes associated with them, mm-hmm. different energies. And so you can kind of figure out like, the vibe. Mm-hmm. It's a, you know, it's a vibes yeah. study as yeah. I love to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. but astrology was actually like what sold me on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Like I started buying Bitcoin because I was a doomsday prepper. Mm-hmm. Um, but like only in small quantities and I didn't really understand its significance. I just kind of knew like, okay, if I'm worried about like an economic meltdown, like mm-hmm. I should have this thing, but I was buying like Bitcoin and Ethereum. Like I was, I, I didn't know anything, right? Uh-huh, I just yeah. was like, okay, those are the ones. Uh-huh. So I'll just buy a little bit of that so that yeah. I'm like ready in case shit right. happens. Yeah. But um, it was actually during the Saturn Jupiter conjunction in 2020, I was driving out to the beach to go like watch the conjunction. Like it was like a time when the sun was setting and you could view it. And like, I had like, you know, mm-hmm. my, I didn't have a telescope. I had binoculars, but that's enough to see Saturn and Jupiter. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I was like, we were literally driving out to the beach and I remember I checked my phone and I was like, oh my God, my Bitcoin is taking off. And then I realized like, oh shit, mm. this is like the thing. Cause mm-hmm. like the Saturn Jupiter conjunction was this whole big event, whatever. Uh-huh. So it just like clicked for me, like, oh, like the age of Aquarius, uh-huh. like Bitcoin is a huge part of it. And so then, what is, what is the age of Aquarius? Have you heard of the age of Aquarius before? Just the song. We are living in the age yeah, of yeah, Aquarius. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, age of Aquarius, I feel like is very like popular in like pop astrology. Uh-huh. All it refers to is like, um, so the ages are determined by the precession of like the equinox. So basically like the axis of Earth's rotation shifts slowly over time. So each oh, so age every, is like 2000. Every, so, so, so every year the equinox happens in a certain sign uh, and that changes that no so okay. the procession of the equinoxes are just like the slow change of like earth's rotation axis oh, it's like earth's, a very earth's very slow axis process is like pointing in one direction and it's and slowly point, moving but in that that so that that axis it's pointing into one of those 30 degree slices exactly and so the slice that it points into is rotating is the age right yeah. I so see. each age I see. is like two thousand years okay okay so i see the dawning of the age of Aquarius is basically the idea that like the age of Aquarius is like starting now. I see. There's I see. like controversy on like the exact dates of. Shouldn't it be like you know? I mean, you got this axis. You see where it points. You got these thirty degree slices. Like, shouldn't it be like done and done? I think there's something to do with like I don't know. I think it wobbles slightly, and so it's kind of like a determining like when does it actually like I fully see. enter that new sign or uh-huh. like you know because like. Yeah, it's just sort of like wobbling back and forth for a while. So we're kind of in like a transition period. Uh-huh. Um, I kind of just like roughly say that it started with like the turn of the millennium. I think that's like the easiest way to think about it is mm-hmm. like, um, I think of like the birth of Jesus Christ as being the beginning of the age of Pisces. Mm-hmm. And then the age of Pisces ended roughly around the year 2000, give mm-hmm. or take like, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. a couple decades. Right, right. Um, and we're now entering the age of Aquarius. Right, right. And so, I mean, Aquarius vibes are like Pisces vibes were like the age of monotheism. Um, mm. Pisces is all about spirituality, but it can also be like uh, illusion or like disillusion. Mm-hmm. Very like religion is the opiate of the masses. That mm. is like the vibe of the age of Pisces. Like it was an age mm. that was don- dominated by monotheism again started with jesus christ it was like this very like monotheistic religion driven era Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and now i think the age of aquarius is i personally think like the internet is kind of the major thing with the age of aquarius but um aquarius vibes in general are very like decentralized very like collective but like how you are an individual in a collective so not just like dissolving into the soup of like collective but being an individual in a collective as Mm -hmm. well right um I think like, <laughs> I think like Alex Jones has major Age of Aquarius vibes, like mm. Infowars, like that idea that like there's mm. a war for your mind and you need to be a free thinker, like yeah, in this world. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I think Infowars is an amazingly evocative title. I yeah, think a hundred percent. But I, I feel like um, another like big thing about the Age of Aquarius is that like the dominant form of power is control of information and knowledge. Like that Aquarius is like a very intellectual sign. It has mm-hmm. to do with like. Yeah, information, communication, all these kind of things. And mm-hmm. so, like, the way that you can control that or not control it, I think, is also a huge part of the Age of Aquarius. So, uh-huh. for me, like, uh, the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction was in Aquarius, and it was, like, one of these events. The Saturn-Jupiter conjunction. In 2020. What's the Saturn? When they, when that they, was when I, like... No, no what yeah, is the Saturn-Jupiter... They're, they're, they're just both on top of each other I see, in Aquarius. I see. They both I see. met up in Aquarius. I see. Interesting. So, uh-huh. that was, like, something that a lot of astrologers thought was, like, a major, like... 
you know, I think the transition to the age of Aquarius is like a gradual process. Right. And that was like marking the, like an acceleration or a burst or a, or a finality because Saturn is structures. Saturn is like the structures. It's like institutions and, Mm. um, yeah, tradition. It can be like upholding the order Mm -hmm. and Jupiter is like massive exponential growth, like Mm -hmm. super fast growth. And so, like, every time that Jupiter has been in Aquarius, that's been, like, the Bitcoin high cycles. Mm-hmm. And then when Jupiter gets out of Aquarius, then Bitcoin, like, right. goes back down. Uh-huh. But so that conjunction was what began that first bull run that started in December 2020. Mm-hmm. Literally the day of it. I think it was, like, mm-hmm. something like December 17th or 19th, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. I remember I looked at my phone and Bitcoin was at 18,000. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, shit. Uh-huh. Like, And it just clicked for me, like, knowing what I knew about Bitcoin and kind of just, like, Obviously, knowing what I know about astrology, I was like, of course, this is like a technology for the age of Aquarius. Mm -hmm. It's literally like what we talked about last episode with like Bitcoin on the cross with like Jesus destroyed underneath. Uh Like Uh It just made me realize like, you know, not that Bitcoin is everything. There's so many different factors that are a part of this transition, but that like Bitcoin is a huge structural part of like ushering in this new era. So, I mean, that like it, it, it makes it makes like, I mean, if Aquarius is about the age of the importance of information and control of information, like it seems like. The, and the importance of it, the individual as it relates to the collective. Right. Like, it makes Bitcoin a very Aquarian technology. Absolutely. It, it, it like it, it, it makes so potent information. Like yes. everything in Bitcoin is just information traveling back and forth. Right. Completely. Mm. Yeah, no, so it's just, so astrology is like what made Bitcoin click for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I mean, obviously I just, I like, I have fucking three pages of notes on this. So I've got like a lot, a lot to say on this situation. Yeah. Yeah. And Um, you're like way more glamorous than usual. Oh yeah. You've got like, what's, do do the earrings have significance? The snake earrings? No, they're just snakes. No, no, just, no, it's Ophiuchus, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you've got the star Mm -hmm. necklace. Yeah. I just wanted to like dress a little witchy. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Be themed for my episode. Um, But yeah, so I don't know. I have like kind of a couple things I want to hit. If you're down to just kind of, you know, bounce it back to me and ask questions where things don't make sense. Yeah, yeah. I feel yeah, like I'll yeah. be the expert yeah. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, episode, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Um, so I have Bitcoin's natal chart, like kind of the information. Yeah. Um, that's important. Like, you know, the actual sort of like qualities of Bitcoin are infused in that natal chart. And that sort of explains a lot about like Bitcoin and mm-hmm. Bitcoin's vibes. Right. But I think what's more interesting that I definitely want to talk about is more like Bitcoin's place in the greater astrology of the time. Mm-hmm. So I personally am interested in outer planet astrology. Um, the outer planets are like roughly like Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, mm-hmm. like the ones that are further away. Right. Um, the reason why I'm interested in that is because that more is about like societal changes. You can do like historical astrology. Um, the cycles of those planets are anywhere from like 12 to 250 years. Mm-hmm. So you get like more... Yeah, I feel like historical and descriptive, like astrology, if you look at the outer planets. Mm -hmm. But like pop astrology is usually more concerned with the inner planets, like Mercury retrograde, right? Uh Um, So yeah, kind of just like focusing on one particular outer planet cycle, which is the Saturn Uranus cycle. Uh Bitcoin played like a very pivotal role in the Saturn Uranus cycle. So what's the Saturn Uranus cycle? So basically, every 45 years, Saturn and Uranus meet up. I'm, like, I'm such a child that every time I hear Uranus, I think it's, I think, like, butt joke, you know? So I know. So I really, like... I've, like, like totally... Oh, uh, Uranus is rebellious. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I can say Uranus. If that's what you, <laughs> Whatever. you want to say. But I mean, basically the idea. The Uranus. The Uranus. <laughs> Uranus. Um, basically, Uranus is a slow moving planet. It takes like 84 years for Uranus to make the whole way back around. Mm-hmm. So if you can imagine like Uranus is moving pretty slow, Saturn is much more, it's, it's not that fast moving. It takes 28 ish years to go around. Mm -hmm. So basically like, if you can imagine them both moving, like Saturn is moving much faster and so they meet up. Is that that, that the general trend that the outer planets are much, take much longer? Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's always the case. Yeah. Um, so, so basically the 45 year, roughly 45 year cycle of Saturn and Uranus is just like them meeting back up again. I see. Uh-huh. So there's kind of like four pivotal moments. Um, there's like the beginning where they first conjunct, which is like the end of the previous cycle, beginning of a new cycle. Mm-hmm. There's the first square where they're 90 degrees apart. Mm-hmm. Opposition where they're 180 degrees apart. And then this final square, second square, where they're 270 or 90 degrees apart. And then they meet up again. I see. Uh-huh. And are all the, are all the planets in line? I, I remember this one, like, like Pluto or, or, or Neptune is out of line with the rest of the planets. Like, slightly. It's not super, it's, okay. it's still basically all the same line. Okay. It's okay. like a slight. But the other ones are like dead. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and that's yeah. why they, that's why they, they cross. Right? right. And they're all, they're probably, they're all formed from the same, like accretion disc. Of... Yeah. It's just the ecliptic, the plane of like our solar system is all the same. Okay. Right. Yeah. And that's just where all the like initial matter that formed our solar system is probably in that. Exactly. Plane. The first disc. Yeah. Basically. Right, right, yeah. That yeah. then coalesced into the planets. Gotcha. Yeah. So we're looking at all of them like in the same plane that they're mm-hmm. looking at right. us, that the sun is on all that right. kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, so the significance of the Saturn Uranus cycle is, as I said, Saturn has to deal with like structure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about responsibilities. It's about karma. Saturn is considered to be like the father of the Zodiac, like father time, the okay. like, karmic uh-huh. ruler. Yep. And as a result, it's often associated with like institutions, particularly mm-hmm. financial institutions, regulations, rules, mm-hmm. prisons, like anything that's like, you know, kind of a constraining and upholding institution is associated with Saturn. Mm-hmm. And so whenever you have like other planets that are interacting with Saturn, usually that is changes to those mm-hmm. institutions. Right. And especially with Uranus, because Uranus is the planet of rebellion, revolution, liberation, all of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So basically the Saturn Uranus, the Saturn Uranus cycle to me mm-hmm. is like changing of the guard, sort of. It's like what mm-hmm. sort of like rebellion or attack comes from the outside of the institution and either defeats the institution or becomes absorbed by the institution or oh, like creates a new huh. whatever. Huh. So like the last Saturn Uranus cycle was really defined by the cold war. Mm. It ended with sort of the end of the cold war. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think it's helpful to think about Saturn and Uranus as basically being the quintessential, like conservative and liberal slash progressive archetypes. So it can kind of be like a war between like two political and which is, which is which Saturn is conservative uh-huh. having Why? to do with structures. Oh, it's about uh-huh. tradition and right. structures uh-huh. yeah. and like, yeah, karma, like, have you put in the right work? All mm-hmm. those kind of things. Like that sort of like quintessentially like fatherly conservative figure is like mm-hmm. definitely Saturn. Yeah. And then Uranus is all about like rebellion, doing things my way. I want to like break away and mm-hmm. do the things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And so like the way that those two interact with each other, I think that that's why I say like the Saturn Uranus cycles are kind of about like, what's the institution doing and who's the opposition to that mm-hmm. and how do those relate and who wins basically mm-hmm. throughout it. So the current Saturn Uranus cycle that we're in is 1988 to 2032. So we're very much like in it right now. Mm -hmm. So 1988, that was the first conjunction when they were together. And that was the end of the Cold War. 
Um, that was when the Soviet Union was kind of starting to collapse. Mm. The Iron Curtain was starting to come down. And so I really see like that end of the previous cycle as being the end of the war between capitalism and communism, East and West, mm. basically. Mm -hmm. Those were the two dominant powers that were kind of fighting with each other. Interesting. And capitalism or America, whatever, the West won, mm -hmm. right? Right, uh-huh. Um, so yeah, so the Soviet Union collapsed mm. and that was sort of like the victory yeah. of that cycle. But yeah. a new cycle was beginning, right? Right, right. It's just that we weren't necessarily aware of it uh -huh. because like in the beginning of the Saturn-Uranus cycle, it might be like kind of, you're not sure like what the enemy is, right? Mm -hmm. It's not until right. later in the cycle that you actually realize like, oh, that's the new emerging what thing. What the two fighting. poles are exactly. that are struggling against each other. Uh -huh. So also in 1988 was the first major computer virus, which mm. was the Morris worm, which uh -huh. was created by the son of a cryptographer mm -hmm. who made it just to see if he could do it. Right. Uh -huh. And basically like, you know, he released this, just was like, can I do this? Can yeah, I yeah. hack into all these computers? Yeah. And it was incredibly successful. It was a huge problem. He went to jail for like 20 months or something like that. Uh -huh. Had to pay like a good amount of fines as well. He didn't mm. even do any damage. He actually designed the virus to not be able to do any damage. Oh, really? He uh -huh. just wanted to see if he could do it. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think he was a cryptographer himself. He was a computer scientist, but he was from like a family of cryptographers at mm -hmm. that time. Um, but that was when like the government created its first computer emergency mm -hmm. response team. Right. So you're kind of starting to see like, this new sort of way of attacking, right? Coming right. at, even right. though it wasn't necessarily right. intentioned that way, mm -hmm. it was this recognition of like, oh, we as the government need a way to deal with this like outside force that could be incredibly mm -hmm. destructive, right? right. Um, and yeah, so, so I kind of think of this cycle as being characterized by the struggle between centralized institutions, whether that's like you know, the capitalist, whatever, like America or any government, yeah. but just sort of centralized institutions that are able to maintain control yeah. and decentralized attackers or right. decentralized agents. Whatever. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Um, and obviously like the internet plays a huge role. In that, right. Yeah. Right. And like the hacking kind of like culture, all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Right. Uh -huh. So yeah, 1988, that first conjunction, right? And we kind of, we see the first major computer virus. It's the end of the Cold War. The U.S. thinks it's like doing amazing. Mm -hmm. And like the seeds of the internet are right. sort of like starting to Right, grow. right, right, right. The first movie has ended, but the, we, we get a little taste of what the sequel exactly. is going to be. Yeah, exactly. You get like the little hint in the ending. Uh -huh, right. Yeah. Something's <laughs> not all, not all as well. Yeah, exactly. So that's 1988. That's the beginning of like this new cycle and the end of the last cycle. Mm-hmm. Then taking it to the first square, so that's that first like 90 degree angle between Saturn and Uranus, uh -huh. that's 1999 to 2000. Mm -hmm. Kind of continues into 2001 because there's other astrology going on that's a little chaotic that sort of makes like that period of 1999 to 2001 particularly like active, but mm. not particularly to this cycle. Mm -hmm. um, but essentially what that first square is, is that's the first crisis. Uh -huh. That's the first time where there's like, oh, okay, this is like... You know, I can identify what this is, sort of. I don't mm -hmm. fully know the implications, but mm -hmm. clearly there's a crisis here. Right. Politically, financially, institutionally, like sort of what was going on with like the institutions at that time, there were a lot of major corporate mergers. Mm -hmm. ExxonMobil, um, AOL and Time Warner were mm -hmm. both at that time. But then there was also like the Enron scandal. So mm -hmm. you kind of saw like the failings of those like major mega corporations and like how it might not be the best to have these like major corporations that control everything and mm -hmm. run the world. Also the 2000 election was in that time, which was just sort of like, I feel like it was kind of a disillusioning moment for a lot of people with institutions. 2000, 2000? George Bush, Al, or, versus yeah, Al Bush Gore. versus Gore. Uh -huh, interesting. So the uh -huh. first kind of like 
like recount? Is there problems with the voting machines? Like mm. what's going on? Like, mm-hmm. you know, all yeah. of that kind of shit. Uh-huh. And then on the internet side, dot com bubble, mm-hmm. but also Wi-Fi becomes standardized. First internet cell phones. Uh, Napster was mm-hmm. like, I think that was 1999. So uh-huh. like peer to peer file sharing and like yeah. doing it in a way that was like illegal. Right. Uh-huh. Um, Microsoft was like a huge, you know, this is when Bill Gates kind of became like the richest man in the world. Uh-huh. And there were like antitrust suits against Microsoft by the U.S. government, where the U.S. government was sort of starting to realize how big tech was going to be Mm -hmm. and kind of trying to address that and maintain control. Mm -hmm. Um, And Wikipedia also was invented in this time. Uh So, um, oh, and yeah, also another computer virus, the Melissa virus, Mm -hmm. which was the first successful email virus. Uh Um, It basically was just like sent out an email. And if you click the link, it would send that email to like 50 more people and it ended up hacking like a million different email addresses. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I'm pretty sure that guy went to jail too. Mm. I don't remember, but again, it just sort of like the recognition of like, Oh, it's not just that like computers can be hacked. It's that people are also vulnerable online. Mm. People are individuals online that like uh-huh. do things like click links. They shouldn't click right. and whatever. This is also when Alex Jones created Infowars, uh-huh. which I think is also a significant event. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so this is like crisis time, right? I mean, we're all familiar with like the period of time from 1999 to 2001, mm-hmm. like war on terror vibes, uh, department of Homeland security, right. the institutions are consolidating power mm-hmm. and sort of recognizing this like decentralized uncertain enemy, mm-hmm. but they're also sort of like showing that they're corrupt mm-hmm. in the process of doing that. Right. And right. they're like clinging to that power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's first square. Right. Then we get to the opposition. So this is kind of and the like, opposition is in two thousand eight to two thousand eight. Yeah. Uh huh. So the first op- the opposition where Saturn and Uranus are across from each other uh-huh. happens in two thousand eight, and the opposition like this is when it's like you see the villain, you know the villain. Like mm-hmm. the crisis is obvious, right. and it's like a war at yeah. this point. Uh-huh. And this is when Bitcoin gets right. invented. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh huh. You know, like this is also when the global financial crisis was happening. This is when Barack Obama was elected. Mm -hmm. This was when like Arab Spring, Occupy, WikiLeaks, all of these like movements were particularly active at this time Mm -hmm. and kind of faded out after. Right. Like Mm -hmm. it was just sort of this like period of time where these things were very active and like whatever. Um, And yeah, a lot of those movements were fueled by people interacting online for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. Right. So like you saw the power of like people being able to share protests on Facebook mm-hmm. and also the futility, right? Cause it's right. not like these protests really led to much, right. but it was kind of this like very public battle between like the people, the internet, all these decentralized unknown players, anonymous, like WikiLeaks, I think was also really like, yeah, I'm pretty sure there were a bunch of WikiLeaks uh, leaks at that time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The crisis is, is obvious at this mm-hmm. point. Right. Right. And so like, you know, bringing this back to Bitcoin, this is really where I see like Bitcoin as being like the emerging of kind of a representation of that new cycle, that new power, the decentralized way to address things. Mm. I also think it's interesting. I realized that Bitcoin and Barack Obama have like the same gestation period. Mm. They both were like conceived at the same time and then birthed at the same time Uh because Bitcoin was like invented November 1st. And Barack Obama was elected November 4th. Uh-huh. And then Bitcoin Genesis block was January 3rd. And uh-huh. Barack Obama was inaugurated. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. like, I do think, like, they both, you know, they're astrologically tied in that way as well. Uh-huh. And I think, you know, you could argue Barack Obama was also sort of, like, institutional power as well. Like, kind of manipulating people's, like, want for change and hope. And then just, like, throwing them back in the bucket of the institutions. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, this was like, I feel like 2008, 2010 is like, that's like what a lot of people think of as being like the beginning of this like major crisis right. uh-huh. that we're in right now right. in terms right. of like the financial right. systems yeah. showing that there are people. It's interesting to think that they were sort of brewing since that, 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 that struggle, that conflict was brewing since 1988 mm-hmm. and just then started to come to a head. Yeah, no, exactly. That's why I think like astrology is fun and useful because like, I feel like you can look at 2008 as being a beginning mm-hmm. and like, you're kind of wrong, right? right. Because it did have to right. build. Yeah, right. But if you right, can see right, it as right, more right. of like the peak of a cycle, right. then you can kind of address like, oh, maybe these like various events added up to this final event. Like yeah. whether you believe in like the planets predicting that or right. being correlated to that or not, uh-huh. right? Like yeah. just like thinking about history that way. That's why I like like outer planet astrology because uh-huh. it's just like a fun way to think about history so but how does it differ from inner planet astrology inner planet astrology is just like much faster like it's like oh, it's more right. about personal it's, right 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 it's it's whereas outer planet is like everything slower and so it's all on these like large time scales yeah what planet has the longest um cycle pluto pluto so i can well i i want to finish quickly yeah, okay, the saturn yeah, uranus cycle yeah. but i will talk about pluto okay because good good that also <laughs> plays a huge role okay okay um but yeah, so that opposition, right? Like 2008, we're all pretty familiar with how crazy chaotic 2008 was. And right. Bitcoin was born out of 2008. Right. Yeah. Then yeah. the final square. So this is kind of like, oh wait, do I have notes here? Yeah. Okay. Then the final square, which is like getting into the end, you know, we're in like the waning cycle, right? Where uh-huh, we're right. like yeah. sort of revving up to the end of the cycle, 2020 to 2022 uh-huh. is the final square. Yeah. So this is COVID. This is the money printing, right? This uh-huh. is like lockdowns. This is crazy inflation. Like, I mean, it's it's sort of difficult to like look at it in retrospect now because we're living through it, right? Like we don't really know like exactly all the events that will play out in this final square. Uh-huh. But like this is a major event for Bitcoin, right? Mm-hmm. Like where all this money printing is happening. Inflation feels like a bigger threat than ever. It is a bigger threat than ever. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing sort of the failings of the institution in choosing to do that to like secure their centralized power. Right. Uh Yeah. Um, and Bitcoin's popping off. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, so is the, I mean, I think that what everybody wants to know is like, who's going to emerge victorious, right? Like the end you have here is 2032 is the fine is the, is the conjunction. Mm -hmm. Will there be some sort of like, should we expect like a resolution Yes, we should definitely. I, I mean, I look to 2032 as being huh. like, it'll be clear. Interesting. So like 2032 is like deadline for hyper-Bitcoinization. Or it's like deadline for like end of fiat or like, you know, like it doesn't have oh, to be like just because Bitcoin is like the, you know, agitator doesn't mean that Bitcoin's the winner. It could mm. be that I just think that like that will be sort of like the conclusion of this like right. global financial right. yeah. hegemonic US control situation. Yeah, interesting. I mean I was I was thinking I wonder if it could be like the end of 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 non-digital fiat mm-hmm. and it's the beginning of like a pure digital um pure digital like maybe bit maybe bitcoin doesn't fully de- defeat the dollar but like the dollar the yuan the yen the euro they're all digital at that point they're all central bank digital currencies i think it also has to do with like the people versus the institutions like i think bitcoin is like a part of it right, right. where like yeah. bitcoin is this representation of like yeah. a technological and political solution right. that yeah. is like emerging from the issues with having like an old-fashioned out-of-touch Institution that's running the situation, right? right? Uh Yeah. 
Um, I mean, and I feel like that's like, like I brought up the various like computer virus, like hacking components, because I think that's an important part too, is like just realizing the holes in the previous institution's ability to deal with the internet. Mm -hmm. And I think like, that's why like Arab Spring is important. Occupy is important. Like these protests that emerged basically from people talking online, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's, that's a hole. Right. And like the way that the institutions can maintain right, power. Right. Yeah. So so I guess it would be like if there's a resolution, it's not going to be in favor of Bitcoin, but it's going to be in favor of things like Bitcoin, those decentralized bottom up yeah. kind of things. Yeah. I mean, it's a wild conflict. It's hard for me to imagine. Like, I mean, those centralized powers are so strong. They're so strong. Right. I mean, and we invite them into our lives. We, right. you know, they, 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 I, I, you know, like I hate the government. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think the reason the government exists is that people want the government to exist. Mm -hmm. Many people see the government as good or necessary. And so they, you know, they, they consider it to be legitimate. Right. Um, And that's why it's sort of allowed to exist. Man, I I can't imagine that going away. You know, I mean, I don't think it's going to be the end of government, but I think like uh the idea that like, you know, these institutions have so much power over our lives and have Mm -hmm. like so much control over like, yeah, the way the currency is controlled. And I, I feel like it's it's sort of just like we're transitioning to a new era that's not as easy to control, ideally. Mm, like, yeah. And I think some people, you know, they're like, well, surveillance, everything's going to be so easy to control. Yeah, that's, like, that's, what I, actually, that's, that's what I was thinking. I mean, like, like, is this I mean, I don't know if is this going to be is it is it early enough to call a winner? Right. I mean, like, yeah, yeah I, I mean, like, I don't think so. Yeah, because we, we could imagine that, like, yeah, like control wins and everything is is like due to surveillance due Mm -hmm. to everything being digital in fact we enter a new age of top-down control where the government effectively has infinite power like a global china so i think why bitcoin is poised to win okay yeah tell it to me like (laughs) inject the hopium right into my veins is partially because of its natal chart i mean we have a natal chart for bitcoin we've got to go back to january 3rd 2009 right 6 15 universal time so 6 15 p.m (laughs) universal time and the reason why we use the genesis block and not the white paper is because astrologers believe that life begins at birth and not conception right so Mm -hmm. bitcoin was conceived Uh uh-huh right in you know whatever with the white paper with the white paper but Uh was actually birthed into reality on january Uh 3rd Yeah. yeah so we have you know a date we have a time we don't have a place there are some astrologers who have tried to like figure out a place. Yeah. There's a lot of astrologers that are really fucking into Bitcoin. Yeah, right? this is so like you to- you've been telling me this and this yeah. is this is wild to me because I think about them as being like overlapping like non-overlapping spheres. You know, you got people who are like into Bitcoin, they're they're the lot of their dudes. It's a fucking sausage fest. Yeah. And then you've got like chicks who are like into astrology and like yeah, Bitcoin, whatever, you know, like but no. Tell I mean, me about tell me about the Bitcoin astrology contingent. Well, so I mean, if you're like a legit astrologer, like a practicing professional astrologer, you are drawing up a lot of charts and like doing a lot of cycle tracking, which is not that dissimilar from someone who tracks like financial charts, right? right. Who does like uh-huh. technical analysis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I think on a very basic level, the like intro, like I mean, I feel like I'm interested in both things because it's a similar kind of like identifying cycles, identifying trends and uh-huh, like yeah. trying to like put together yeah. like yeah. past yeah. data yeah. points and like predict yeah. future things. And I mean, you really, you straddle both worlds. I mean, you're a, you know, a scientist, mm-hmm. you know, doing like, you know, serious hardcore science. I don't know right. if I want to dox you by saying like, what your, <laughs> what your department is or like what you do. I do planetary science yeah, planetary and planetary science. pseudoscience. Yeah. Planetary and planetary science and pseudoscience mm-hmm. PhD. So mm-hmm. hardcore 
on both ends of the, of the spectrum. But I think also, I mean, astrologers are, I mean, just to really galaxy brain it out right now, mm-hmm. like the three wise men that came to look. Let's go. Do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm here, the three I'm wise men that came to look for baby Jesus specifically in the spot and the time and place that they knew he would be born mm. were astrologers. I mean, uh, literally, like that's yeah, what they were right, doing. They right, were tracking right. the stars, following the stars. Right. It makes me find... wonder, was, was, was the signals that they read in the stars, was that a signal from God where God intentionally was telling them where Jesus would be born? Or were they just observing the machinations of God that, that God couldn't help but because of this thing he was doing, give off signs that could be read in the stars. I think that they were looking for a specific event that they thought was going to be extremely astrologically relevant. Mm. So whether that's like God speaking to them or things happening and them reading God's message, right. whatever, you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. it's kind of up for interpretation, but they were looking for a specific astrological they were looking for a specific natal chart, mm-hmm. literally, right. you know, an mm-hmm. exact time and place of birth. Mm-hmm. And so like the three wise men, the astrologers showed up for that thing. Right. And I think that that can explain why astrologers are so into Bitcoin also, is I think that astrologers know that there are these extremely, you know, reality changing transits that are happening mm. at this period of yeah. time. Uh-huh. And yeah. they're looking for things that represent like, where is the age of, that was the beginning of the age of Pisces, right? That's what they were looking for. They mm-hmm. were like, Age of Pisces is starting. There's some serious astrology going on. We got to figure out what's going on. They're right, like, oh yeah, my God, yeah. it's Jesus. Okay, mm-hmm, let's yeah, go. Mm-hmm, right? Yeah. But now we're getting into the age of Aquarius and people are looking for, okay, we know that these Aquarius themes are decentralization, individuality as a part of a collective, mm-hmm. revolution, rebellion, right. mm-hmm, all these mm-hmm. sort of things. So people are looking for what are the things that are bringing that in. Right. Uh-huh. And I think that that's why astrologers love Bitcoin so much. I mean, obviously not all of them, but a lot mm-hmm. of them that do more of the you know, serious, like cyclical, historical. Because astrology. it is like a clear, like you, you can sort of say pre-Bitcoin and post-Bitcoin history is different. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. And there's these significant transits yeah, like the Saturn yeah. Uranus cycle. I mean, I, I can imagine other things that they're probably like, I mean, they're probably that they probably find significant, right? Like for example, Bitcoin, the financial crisis, um, 9-11. Yeah. Um, I mean, all of those Berlin, things. Berlin, just... Berlin wall falling. Yeah. Um, things like that, right? Things that really mark a clear transit from one period to another. Well, in 2020, 2021, 20, basically 2020 to 2022, there's a lot of huge transits that have happened. And so uh-huh. that's why, you know, I, as I said, when I really clicked for me that Bitcoin was the thing, mm-hmm. it was because there was a huge transit that I was like, I got to go see this. And uh-huh. then I realized that all this shit was happening around Bitcoin at the same time. Uh-huh. And it clicked for me like, oh, this is a part of it. Mm-hmm. Right. But I mean, Bitcoin specifically, so Bitcoin natal chart, January 3rd, 2009. Um, you know, I think Bitcoin's natal chart is interesting because... 615. 615. PM. Yeah, 1815 UTC. Yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe the UTC meridian is the place to look at the as the... It doesn't matter that. Like, okay. uh, like the differences that it makes for the chart are mostly like... Uh, it's like slightly more analysis that I'd be able to do that I'm, mm-hmm. I don't want to do if I don't know for certain right. basically uh-huh. yeah. is my reason. But there's a lot of people who like put it at London for that reason, like around that uh-huh. area. Right. Um, but yeah, I think Bitcoin's natal chart is interesting because it kind of represents a new way forward while still having a lot of the placements and vibes of the old system. It's very like chancellor on the brink of bail- second bailouts for banks vibes. Mm-hmm. Like the mm-hmm. Genesis block 
written the message into it, that was in the Genesis block. Yeah. Written into it is the context, right? Mm, yeah. And mm-hmm. Bitcoin's natal chart is very similar where it's like, there are elements of like age of Aquarius, like new technology vibes, yeah. but written intrinsically in it are these sort of like oppositions, conjunctions, and like positions to the current yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. of the time. Yeah. Right. right uh huh. Um, I think like what's key is like, Bitcoin is clearly a fighter that wants to win. And Satoshi's a fighter. Satoshi said, you know, maybe we can like, you know, that governments have a hard time dealing with P2P decentralized systems. Maybe we can gain a new ground of freedom for, you know, and then also when Satoshi said when um, the, you know, when, when WikiLeaks started accepting Bitcoin, which was way, way early, Mm -hmm. Satoshi thought that it was too soon. And he said, uh, like, WikiLeaks has kicked the hornet's nest. <laughs> like, Satoshi had yeah. a wartime Bitcoin attitude yes. in a lot of ways. Bitcoin has, like, a very... Here, I'm going to pull up Bitcoin's chart so that I have it in front of me. Okay. My reference material. Like, can I see? Yeah. So... Uh-huh. So, so this is Bitcoin's awesome. chart. Uh-huh. So It looks like a navigational chart or something. So basically the way this works is Earth is the center, mm-hmm. right? So that center circle is you're looking down Why at the Why aren't they North all the pole. same width? Uh, because, do you mean the black lines? Yeah, the, 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 the sign. Like, yeah, what are the... The s- signs, which is the outer wheel, uh-huh. are all the same. They're all 30 degrees. But these lines that come out, which are not relevant to Bitcoin's chart because it has to do with the position of the Earth. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where it was, right, right uh-huh. on the position of Earth. Um, the reason why these change is because at different latitudes, your like various degree areas are smaller because mm-hmm. you're getting closer to the pole. Mm-hmm. So if you were at the equator, these would each be 30 degrees. But the closer that you get to the North Pole, the more that it's just like basically like a transformation based on where you are mm. latitudinally. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not important for this. It will be important for if I read your chart, uh-huh. which I will do <laughs> if you'll let me. Uh-huh. Um, but basically, you can see this is the sun in Capricorn here. Mars, so basically Mars, Pluto, and the sun are all on top of each other. Mm -hmm. So that is a fighter, Mars, that wants to change things, and that's an integral part of its identity. Mm. Um, What's also significant about the sun being at 13 degrees Capricorn is that the U.S.'s sun is at 13 degrees Cancer. Mm. So Bitcoin, like intrinsically, the energy that Bitcoin is, is directly opposed to Mm. July 4th. Mm -hmm. It's January 3rd, July 4th, right? right? Exactly Uh across from each other. Uh Uh-huh. So Bitcoin being at 13 degrees of Capricorn is like obviously very significant for the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, also interesting, the U.S. dollar is at 13 degrees of Aries mm-hmm. and China and the Chinese dollar are at 13 degrees of Libra. So mm. they basically form like oh, a giant wow. cross. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they're all at war with each other, basically. Wow. Uh-huh. Um but yeah, so so there's like a lot of fighting energy in Bitcoin, but it maintains a lot of this Capricorn energy, mm-hmm. which is as I said, it's like, it's representative of the time. Like Capricorn is the ruler of Saturn or Saturn mm-hmm. is the ruler of Capricorn. Right. They have very similar energies. So it has to do with institutions. It has to do with traditions. And I think like a lot of the hard money people that love Bitcoin for like its rigid rules, like all of those kind of things, like that's sort of the energy that you get from that. Mm-hmm. It's like Bitcoin does have an exact thing that it's proposing that it wants to do differently. Mm-hmm. It's not just this sort of like nebulous revolutionary energy, right? It's saying like, we're going to restructure it exactly this way. And mm. everyone can read what the rules are. Everyone can know what the situation is. It's all right here. Right. Uh-huh. So it's not just like totally like woo-woo revolution, like good vibes, man. Right. Mm-hmm. It has structure. Right. Um, but it also has all of these planets here in Aquarius. And so it's like, you know, 
it's bringing in the Aquarius vibes, like mm-hmm. for sure. It's North Node is in Aquarius. North Node is like the destiny, basically. Mm-hmm. So anytime I see a North Node in Aquarius, I'm like, oh, Age of Aquarius vibes. Like uh-huh. you're bringing it in. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, moon in Aries, exactly where my moon in Aries is. So mm. Bitcoin and I have the same moon. Uh-huh. Your sun in Aries is also right there. Uh-huh. So you're very much vibing with, okay, with good, Bitcoin's good. emotions yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically like Bitcoin's chart, it's like, it's a fighter. It wants to win. It like wants to put in the work and mm. it has a distinct system that it's proposing uh-huh. that it like wants to yeah. act on. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So interesting stuff there. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to talk about since you mentioned Pluto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Uh, probably the most talked about astrological event of right now is the U.S. Pluto return. Mm. So basically... And what Pluto, so you said it's the it's the planet that takes the longest to go around. Yeah. I, I see here it takes 250 years to go around the Zodiac Wheel. So Pluto is really like a civilizations and empires and like, yeah, when, at what cycle, like is there a distinct beginning and end of the Pluto cycle or is it... So... If you can imagine, like, the U.S. began July 4th, 1776, uh-huh. that, like, roughly 250-year thing is mm-hmm. only coming back around right now. Oh, wow. So okay. It's wow. Not, so the Pluto uh-huh. return is only relevant to the U.S. It's not relevant to, like, the general vibes. Uh-huh. It's like your Pluto return is your specific thing. Mm-hmm. But, of course, it really only applies to, like, as you said, countries, empires, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Right. So, for example, like... The Roman Empire collapsed under its second Pluto return. Uh-huh. Its first Pluto return was like a time of chaos where like five emperors were all assassinated. Like mm-hmm. over the so it, it did survive its first Pluto return, mm-hmm. but then it collapsed after its second. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean Pluto is the planet of destruction. Um, it's like rebirth, so like endings and beginnings. It's all about what lies beneath the surface, like bringing up what lies beneath the surface. Mm-hmm. And the U.S. Pluto return is happening in the U.S.'s second house of value and money. Mm-hmm. So basically what's what's lurking under the surface right. in terms of money, right. finance, value mm-hmm. with the US. Right. Like we're fucked, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um and actually like Ray who is Ray Dalio? I don't it's even just, know. He's, a, he's an investor. Um, okay. he's kind of kooky. He runs this firm called I think Bridgewater. I might be getting this wrong. They're super crazy. They have like a crazy internal culture. Um, I've, I've heard him talk a lot. Um, I don't know how like smart I think he is. Um, <laughs> Um, he's clearly a successful investor. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think he makes a lot of sense when I hear him talk about things. So it's like he's very intelligent, mm-hmm. but but he has this like sa- like savant quality. Like maybe maybe his investing and being good at that is different from the things that he says. I'm kind of curious if he knows astrology or not because no, I don't think so. I don't. Oh, actually, you never know. He is kind of that's what I'm he's saying. He's a little woo. Like, you know, Ronald Reagan had a personal astrologer. Okay, like they're yeah. like men of a certain age. <laughs> <laughs> right. Men of a certain age. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I think honestly, like astrological, like financial consultation is not that unheard of. Interesting. Like, yeah. Um, well, he also talks about, I mean, he has like, I, he said things that makes me think that he's mm, spiritual or philosophical. Well, right. So the reason why I brought him up is because he had this like viral video. I think he also has a book on it, but he had this viral video called the changing world order Uh that was talking about how every 250 years, like the dominant world order changes hands. Mm -hmm. So it's talking about like the Dutch to the British to the U S and he was like, 
And ours is over right now. And the next one is China, you guys. Oh, wow. Like, and the, literally the point of the video was like, wow. we got our 250 years think, and it's over. Because I think China, I mean, if it's a struggle between centralization and decentralization, mm -hmm. China definitely rep represents the ultimate centralization. Totally. A rigid, top-down surveillance state with an iron fist I mean, gripping we didn't even get, and yeah, I, I kind of avoided talking about China in this because I thought it was mostly useful to just frame the US versus Bitcoin. But there's mm. a whole... But I see you China. can totally get into like China. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. How it Do you have anything to say about that? Well, as I said before, when I pulled up the chart, like Bitcoin is opposing the US, mm -hmm. and then China is squaring that, and then the US dollar is opposing the Chinese dollar. So, like, uh -huh. there's one Bitcoin the astrologer, yuan. the yuan. Yeah, the Chinese yuan, the yuan. or the renminbi. The renmin renminbi. Yeah, one of them means one of them means like the one of them is like US dollar. I think renminbi is like saying US dollar and yuan is like saying dollars, so like ten dollars. Mm, okay. So you'd say the renminbi or you'd say ten yuan. You wouldn't say ten renminbi, I don't think so. So there's one Bitcoin astrologer that I really, really like. I think he's done like such an amazing job with like predictions and just like really like ahead of his time. Mm -hmm. He basically thinks that um Bitcoin will be the alternative global reserve currency that China will be the dominant. Uh -huh. It will be like the major global reserve currency, but, uh -huh. but for people who don't want to be under the centralized power and centralized mm -hmm. control, right. Bitcoin will be the dominant thing. And Bitcoin, like basically the revolution will be characterized by the attempt to like liberate money from government mm. control. Yeah. But that like, it's not, like America plays a part, but it's like totally fucked. Like it's out of yeah. the situation. I think it's. I think it's. I think China might. China's China. China. The the renminbi might become the reserve currency within a sphere of influence of China. Yeah. But it will. It does not have a chance of becoming a reserve currency for like Europe and America. That's kind of uh, how I feel too. Yeah. Which is why, like, yeah, I think like. Like, but it might be that you know China has the renminbi within its sphere of influence in parts of Asia, you know, the de developing world, and then in the United States and Europe, Bitcoin is dominant. That's kind of how I feel like things might play out mm. um, and that yeah Bitcoin would essentially be this like alternative this like you know freedom liberation right. type of thing versus like a much more centralized power mm -hmm. and and then I think you know that's like also you know the dichotomy of the internet right like mm -hmm. the internet can present these opportunities for like anonymity and decentralization and all these like technical solutions mm -hmm. but it can also present global surveillance, yeah. like yeah. a total like state pa state control, state monitoring kind of system. And so mm -hmm. I think like those two emerging as like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I feel like the astrology doesn't indicate that Bitcoin will necessarily win everything, mm -hmm. but I think like Bitcoin is the thing that's going to overcome us hegemony. Mm, interesting. Like okay. that's uh, going to be the next thing right. for us. Yeah. So the like us Pluto return is basically like the, oh shit, we're fucked, like mm -hmm. the empire's ending right. kind uh -huh. of stuff. Yeah. And that's mostly happening from like 2017 to 2024. Mm -hmm. We're in the peak right now. So the actual peak was like February, 2022. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure like March, 2022 was the first time that they admitted that we had inflation like of right. over 2%. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so I really think that like what we're going to experience in the next like, two years at least is just going to be like major collapse okay. and like economic restructuring. Uh -huh. um, and I don't think that the U S is karma is in a good place. So I don't really think that the U S is going to win. Damn. Damn. Um, All right. But yeah, that's why we buy Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's super cool, right? Yeah, like, you know, it's really interesting. Like, the way that I, like, engage with astrology is, like, I actually do think that it's really interesting. Like, I, I guess I don't literally think that it's true, but I think it gives, like, pretty amazing pretty amazing perspective you yeah. know if you've if, if astrology if, if you know since astrology has been so around for so long you have these people who are sort of developing this system and also looking at you know the rise and fall of civilizations the rise and fall of like cultural trends right and so you would imagine that it would be very like very attuned to these like these sort of like civilizational shifts yeah yeah i mean i think like obviously i said i'm i'm interested in the societal astrology part and i think that that's it gives you good perspective for exactly that reason where it like it forces you to zoom out and view things as being related and mm -hmm. as being cyclical rather yeah. than being like these random events are happening and I don't know why. And mm -hmm. they just randomly end up being this thing. We mm -hmm. don't know why. Yeah. Like it kind of like imposes a structure that I think makes it easier for you to process in your brain. Yeah. And I think that that also works for like personal astrology where like if you see your natal chart and someone tells you like, oh, this is a thing that you will struggle with in your life or that you struggle with in your life, mm -hmm. it takes off like the randomness and personal responsibility. And I mm. think it allows you to view it more objectively, mm. like be like, oh, that is something that I struggle with in mm -hmm. my life right. rather than uh -huh. being like, I'm such a fucking idiot for right. struggling with this, uh -huh. you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it, it's helpful to like, yeah, to be able to like zoom out and like impose kind of a structure on things in order to see it more like separately in mm, a way i see uh-huh like it allows you to like get yourself out of the soup or right something. yeah 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 it makes you like yeah right right try to separate things try to like perceive patterns right yeah because i mean in researching like for my whole saturn uranus stuff right like i'm basically going through years and like picking out events and being like oh that seems characteristic and like mm -hmm. yeah i can create this narrative that then builds, right and it's like i love this narrative this narrative, right? is, great. This narrative is great i want to see the movie like, I want to see a movie where, like, it's, like, astrology is, like, fully real and, like, and, like, everybody is, like, you know, these, like, civilizational chaotic events are happening and the astrologists are just, like, with their charts, like, they're, like, come on, guys. I like, mean, that's my life. <laughs> that's literally my life. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, it's, like, I don't really care if astrology is like real or not it's more like i kind of think like your perspective makes your reality right, so like yeah, if astrology yeah. is real to you it's real right right um but yeah i mean it led me to bitcoin so like you know yeah gotta love it for that yeah yeah, yeah. i kind of want to end by doing your name yeah chart. let's do it i'm gonna so i'm gonna hide it so that i don't know what you're gonna say i haven't read it okay yeah so All i don't right. want i don't want to see I yeah you know i i hope that you wouldn't read it oh, okay good um, yeah i haven't but yeah, let me let me pull up your chart. I assume you haven't seen your chart unless I texted it to you. No, I don't think so. So this is your chart. Okay. So now the black lines matter. Because okay. Black lines matter. <laughs> because we know your time and place of birth. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, so the center circle, as I said, is the earth. Mm -hmm. The line that is 10 is basically like the moment that you were born, what was directly above you in the mm -hmm. sky. Yeah. And so I'm right into Aries, like on the cusp. Uh, no, you are, your son was an Aries. So this, the black lines are based off of like tangential to... Where's, where's Pisces? Pisces is here. Okay, I see. So the sun was just getting into... Aries, yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like the black lines are only related to the Earth's surface. I see. That's okay. why you need to know the time very specifically because uh -huh. the Earth is like doing a whole circle I in see. Uh -huh. 24 hours, right? right? But the houses have to do with like what area of what are, life... What are houses? Houses are just like positions relative to earth and they have to do with 
what area of life those energies are playing out in. Mm-hmm. So I think they're, they're very useful if you know them, but mm-hmm. if you don't know them, like you don't want to fuck it up basically. Mm-hmm. So if I don't know an exact time, I just won't like do a time based uh-huh. analysis. Right. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so if you can imagine like the 10 here is like looking exactly up in the sky above you, mm-hmm. this like one line is exactly to the east. Mm-hmm. This is exactly to the west. And then this would be like looking down through the planet. I see. Uh-huh. So you were born like right here. I see. Basically. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you're a Virgo rising, uh, Aries sun, and Cancer moon, mm-hmm. which basically just means that you're like a bitch, but <laughs> <laughs> but you have a good heart. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, good, yeah. good, good, okay. You're sensitive, like deep inside. Uh huh. Real deep inside. But you're very particular. I mean, Virgos. I don't know if you like know about stereotypes about Virgos, but no. they're like the quintessential like control freak type A's. Mm-hmm. So your rising is like. Kind of like how you present, like your sun sign is like the energy that you are, mm-hmm. but a rising sign, like that might be what people guess that you are when they first meet you mm-hmm. or kind of like how you show up in social situations. Like mm-hmm. when you're like kind of yeah. putting on like, yeah, 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 yeah. The bitch thing, the bitch thing does resonate. Like, I mean, like I remember I, I went to these like urban meetups actually. <laughs> and then uh, I, 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 I went to them a lot. And then at an urban meetup, after I'd been to like four or five, I was talking to a guy who's, he's like, I, I don't see him very much, but I consider him a friend. I like him. And, uh, he was like, yeah, like you're one of my favorite people who comes to the meetup because you're kind of like rude, but in like a funny way. Yeah, you uh, are. Yeah. <laughs> you are. Well, you're very particular. Like you like will pick up on things and be like, well, actually, blah, blah, blah. Like, like it's... <laughs> so that's the Virgo rising as well as the Aries sun. You have like quite a bit in Aries. Um, you have your sun and Mars both in Aries and Mars is ruled by Aries. So mm-hmm. that's like, it's Mars is like the fighting planet. Like mm-hmm. it's like, it wants to be like impulsive and argumentative and all these kind of things. It's the warrior mm-hmm. and Aries is the warrior. So like you have a very argumentative and fiery personality, mm-hmm. but your cancer moon cancer is like the mother of the mm-hmm. Zodiac. It's a water sign. The moon is also at home in cancer. So mm-hmm. it's very like, you're like an emotional person too. I think I like, this being in your 11th house to me says that you're a very good friend, mm, like okay. a very like, mm. you know, emotionally connected person, like when you're in the circle. Right. Mm. But maybe the way you present or the way that you kind of like exist in the world <laughs> is like much more like individualistic and fiery. Oh, I should also say Aries is like the individual. So the fact that you're such like a free market uh-huh. and cap, like, right. <laughs> it's very Aries vibes uh-huh. as well. Um, so yeah, that's your big three. Uh-huh. Then getting into like more of the other planets, the first thing that like really draws my eye is this. So the red lines are roughly like difficult aspects and then the blue lines are roughly positive, like okay. harmonious aspects. Mm-hmm. So obviously you have like these red lines here, right? And that's your Pluto and Saturn in Libra, Scorpio, third house versus your Mars and Venus um, in eighth and ninth houses in Aries and Taurus. Mm-hmm. So, what I would say about this, so these, this is a generational placement. As I said, Pluto moves super slowly. Saturn mm-hmm. doesn't move as slowly, but pretty slowly. Mm-hmm. And that conjunction was very like important at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like the, how, how do you say like, is it Xennial, Xennial? Like the transition from Gen X to millennial. Oh, I don't know. I've never heard that before. It's like X-I-E-N-N-E-L, whatever. Xennial. Let's go Xennial. Yeah. That is like a generational placement for exennials. Mm. So like this is not necessarily so important for you personally, but rather like kind of the soup that you were born in. Mm. Um, and particularly it has to do with like the way that you communicate and connect. Mm. So that's kind of like 
how that placement is showing up. And that's a little bit at war with your Mars and Venus. Mm. And what I would say about this is it's very important to you to believe that something is right and that it is valuable. And that is like, you'll die for, you'll die on those hills, <laughs> basically. Um, you want to fight about, like, you want to argue and like get to the bottom of things. And you also believe very deeply that there is like, uh, a true value. Like, mm. like I think there's some people that kind of think like, oh, things are subjective, whatever. Like mm-hmm. you're like, no, I know what's valuable. I know what's like good and mm-hmm. beautiful and aesthetic. And like, I care about bringing that forward. Mm-hmm. And it's also kind of philosophical to you. I feel like there's like an element of like philosophical truth or like, like, uh, not like higher education, like as it is, but that sort of like higher knowledge, higher mm-hmm. beauty, higher aesthetic is very important to you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this opposition is kind of like, the elder millennials are like kind of like basic and like you have this like deeper kind of like value to you. That's sort of not of your generation. Like I feel like you're a little bit not of your generation specifically. Um, And I think this also kind of like, it maybe makes it difficult for you to like communicate and connect with people because you're very fixated on Mm -hmm. like things being right and true and beautiful. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. Um, one of the ways to like resolve that disconnect is, oh yeah, okay, wait, I was gonna go. This is the whole thing. This is about your destiny. Okay, good. Up. Okay, yeah. So it's very easy for you to just make your own kind of like space and do your own thing and live in that. Like you're totally happy, like spiritually on your own. Like you're like, yes, like I am living by my own rules. Like I'm happy with like the kind of framework of reality that I've created and mm-hmm. like. You're, you're like spiritually well within your own terms. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also super easy for you to be on your own. Like Jupiter and Uranus conjunction here in Sagittarius, like in your fourth house, you can be alone all day and you like, you like just like being by yourself and your thoughts and yeah. like thinking. In this your is head. 100% true. But that is opposed to your destiny. Mm. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be that you have to give that up, but North node, Gemini, 10th house. I mean, this is destiny, destiny, destiny you are supposed to be in society. Like Mm. you are supposed to communicate, to connect. You are supposed to like exist in people's realities and like bring forward ideas and thoughts and like new things to like the intellectual landscape. Mm -hmm. So even though it's like easy for you to just like be like, I'm doing me, I'm totally fine on my own. You need to be like putting yourself out there and you Mm. need to be not necessarily like being like a career person, like the 10th house, a lot of people associate with career since like, that's sort of like what most people spend most of their time doing, but really 10th house is like, what's your identity? Like in this life, like Mm -hmm. what is the role that you play to other people? Mm -hmm. And like North node is about your karmic evolution in this lifetime. It's what you came back in this lifetime to do is Mm -hmm. the idea. Um, yeah, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be out there. Mm, You're supposed to be communicating and connecting. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, generally I would say with your chart, like there's this kind of push pull between like a a rugged individualist, (laughs) as they say, Uh and like a need to be with people and sharing ideas and like finding some sort of like connection in Mm, that and not just like being all on your own. Uh huh. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's what Mm. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that rings true. A lot of that is aspirationally true. I mean, I hope, I hope I'm a good friend. Definitely. I do find that like, um, that sort of conflict between, um, being on my own, I can be on my own as, 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 as long as I want, I'm perfectly content just doing my own thing. 
but then also like if I want to like have an impact, if I want to get things done, like, you know, the only way to do that is like with other people in society, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and trying to do that more and more in my life at, at this very moment of my life, trying to be more in society. So, and do more things and get out there and stuff. So I'm glad that I'm realizing my destiny. You are. In that respect. You are. <laughs> You're totally realizing your destiny. We love it. <laughs> okay. Well, should we wrap it up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. That's a great ending. Yeah. Yeah. Great uh, astrology. We, we've truly realized the power of astrology right, yeah, in yeah, this yeah. episode. Yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm feeling much more positively about astrology at the end of this episode than I was at the beginning. That's great. Yeah. That's how I felt at the end of Craft Store Bitcoin. Okay. I feel much more positively about the UTXO stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, okay well thanks for watching yeah yeah thanks for um, watching uh, like subscribe leave yeah. us a pod review on Apple Podcasts whatever exactly. you're supposed to do yeah, yeah. alright bye bye everybody bye <laughs>